morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's Remy Gotta this. Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. I'll, I'll, I'll be real honest. Nothing happened this week. Nope. No, no major announcements were made. Nope, nope, nope. No first mainstream electric pickup truck was announced. Nope. No big developments out, out of Twitch this week. Nope. None of that. None of that. Nothing like that happened at all this week. Nope. Not at all. I'm kidding. Obviously, there's a ton to go over this week. Like, for starters, Cloudflare has just straight up gone out and said this entire nonsense with the captures. And I'm going to go ahead and play machine learning for the machines as to what is a traffic light or what is a fire hydrant or what is a bus. I'm just saying, or at least Cloudflare is saying, this whole thing is becoming absolutely ridiculous. Originally, CAPTCHAs were just that whole jumbled letters and numbers, and you need to try and figure it out what what it is, but a robot won't be able to see the picture and that sort of thing. Robots have gotten beyond that, and they've tried to evolve by using um, measuring how you click on a box. But, of course, machines are getting away on that. Machines are now starting to learn how to get around the click all boxes that have a traffic signal in it. So, Cloudflare wants to go ahead charge in and help put an end to this nonsense there aren't any solid details yet as to what that future is going to be like and I'm not going to lie I am very curious to see in what way since now, assuming there wasn't a GPU shortage, anyone can get a hold of a GPU capable of AI and machine learning. How are you going to go ahead and come up with a solution that will determine whether the person behind a keyboard is in fact a living person or a Python script? Also, the declaration of Cloudflare saying that humanity wastes about 500 years per day on CAPTCHAs. I'm not going to lie. Um, I want to see the proof on this statistic. I legit want to see how Cloudflare came up to say we waste... 500 years a day on CAPTCHAs. I don't believe this. Chat asks how long until there's actual Pythons doing the hacking into accounts getting around CAPTCHAs. There's the real question. How long until it's no longer a script? Alright, Cloudflare. You threw down the gauntlet. Let's see how it is. All right, someone in chat has actually done a little bit of a breakdown. From what they can tell, they they say an average of thir- of the average person spends 32 seconds on a CAPTCHA, 
And there's roughly 4.6 billion people who encounter capture re- regularly, and the average person sees one every 10 days. This is a lot of math. The point is, I want Cloudflare to present me with the, with the math so I can check on it some other time. Maybe it actually does add up. Maybe it a- actually actually does. It just seems like such an oddball statistic to come out come up with out of nowhere. It definitely feels like it's one of those uh, statistics that were just kind of. Did you know that sixty eight percent of all statistics are made up on the spot? And that eight-fifths of all people are bad at fractions. AT&T! Shifting gears radically. AT&T is talking about a merger with Time Warner Media. This, by the way, is not, underline not, about AT&T, the ISP, buying up Warner, or now known as Spectrum, the ISP, making one super ISP, which would end up inevitably becoming a worse Comcast than Comcast. Holy cow, the guy in the chat actually did the math. Roughly 460 million captures per day at 32 seconds each, which is 14... 14.72 14.72 trillion seconds is about 466.7 years per day. I'm sorry. For, I'm sorry. 14.7 trillion. I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm trying to read quick. My apologies. When you just start seeing that many zeros, it just glosses over. Did I say trillion again? 14.72 billion. 14.72 billion seconds. I'm a professional, I swear. Anyway, AT&T talking about absorbing Warner Media. I have... uh, You know what? I don't know what to think. I don't know if this is actually going to go through or not because the landscape of media as a whole is just a hot mess. Before at least, you know, there was a there was a handful of like there was basically like what? 10 media companies in the world. Now there's a whole bunch of small independent ones. And a bunch of them are owned by outlets like like Netflix and Amazons and whatnot. If this was a merger that was being discussed six years ago, I would say there is a 0% chance it moves forward. That it would be looked at as a monopoly. But then again, I mean, Disney bought Marvel, so... I don't know where the bar is anymore for what is too egregious in the media world. But I guess it's kind of irrelevant. In other news, Microsoft has confirmed that Windows 10X is dead. 
anyway, Twitch has also announced that they are going to be going ahead and introducing something brand new. They call it local subscription pricing. What is local subscription pricing? So basically, in the Twitch world, for those who, who don't know, one of the main ways that you can support an independent creator on Twitch is by subscribing. Unlike subscribing on YouTube, on Twitch, subscribing means that you pay a monthly subscription fee based on whatever tier you're doing. And norm and in the US tier 1 is $5, tier 2 is 10 is $10 and tier 3 is $25. And based on what tier you subscribe at, you end up receiving the ability to use that streamer's emotes across the entire platform as well as a lot of streamers also give additional perks to those subscribers. Some have like like Minecraft servers that uh, subscribers can have access to. In the case of my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, there is a huge database of various silly sound effects that can be used at any point except during the podcast. Ad-free viewing. There is... And actually, the ad-free viewing, by the way, that is an option for streamers to enable. It is on by default. And I know... Absolutely no streamer who would dare uncheck that button. But just so you know, it is an option. An option that no one disables, but it is an option. Fun fact. I say this and it turns out that they like took that option away like a month ago without us knowing. But anyway, across the board, basically... This was the pricing structure globally. And you just convert the $5 into whatever the currency is there. Well, what local subscription pricing is, is instead taking a smarter look at what the current economic state is in those various other countries and adjusting the pricing accordingly. This is resulting in a lot of places of the cost of subscribing going down. And you know what was actually really surprising about this announcement? The sheer volume of people that replied to the Twitch post saying that this is awful underline awful for the content creators this is going to have them hit hard in the revenues so first off there's a couple of things that uh, those people failed to notice one in the announcement twitch specifically said they would adjust the cut to make sure that no hit is done to the streamer in the first place. With that also said, I want to propose another argument as to why I believe not only 
would those streamers that see this happen not only see a no decrease in revenue, I predict they will see an increase. Why? Let's pretend for a second that subscribing wasn't $5. Let's pretend for a second it was basically the equivalent of $10. Okay. Or let, let's actually make it a bit more real. Let's say it's seven fifty to sub. Well, you did the math and you thought for a minute, you know, I I like you and all, Mr. Streamer Dude 69420 Blaze It, but I just can't spare the 750. Well, now Twitch goes ahead and adjusts the pricing, so now it's $5, which would then match what it is in the place where Twitch started. What if that person now at $5 can sub? Now all of a sudden, streamer dude 69420 a streamer that I, uh, with a name that I hopefully uh, made up. Who am I kidding? That's probably a real streamer. They're probably like as stereotypical as it comes. But I digress. My point is that with the price down, people who originally had that wanted to support that streamer but saw the $5 as a barrier they can't cross for whatever their reason, now they can't. I was about to comment on something someone someone said in chat, and then they said they totally made that up. I'm not gonna lie, if streamer dude sixty nine four twenty was real, and in fact did mostly stream in science and te- and tech category, that would be amazing. So yeah, honestly, this whole change, here's what I'll say on it. I think it could help more than anything. I think it's going to help those particular areas in which the pricing was kind of skewed. Now, will the revenue adjustment stay in place? I suspect it will, if only because Twitch in the grand scheme of things is going to get their money anyway. But right now, it is a project that is only just rolling out. We haven't seen a whole lot of it yet. In fact, the only place that's been rolled out to is, I want to say, 
like Mexico and only one other place right now. And of course, because I grabbed the informational blog and not the announcement itself, it does not say where it has been. Oh, here we go. Turkey and Mexico first. And then it'll come out to to countries in Asia, Latin America, and Middle East, Africa, and Europe. I had it in front of me all along. But you know what's even better? This started a bit of controversy for... I mean, let's be perfectly honest. There was no real good reason for there to be a controversy raised up about this since it was literally just the announcement and we don't know how it's going to go down the road. On its face, it seems fine. I present you my argument as to why it could, in fact, be a boost both to Twitch and to the streamers. Oh, but that wasn't the big Twitch drama for the week. No siree! Because Twitch has decided to finally address the hot tub meta. Oh, yes. This was where the Twitch controversies began. So, for those who are unaware, thousands of years ago, In the early dawn of Twitch, when Twitch used to just be about video games, Twitch launched a new category. It was a category called IRL Streaming. It was a category where you could just be out in who knows where and just chat with chat. Just do whatever. Why does live streaming on Twitch have to be about games? That was the thought. And it's an innocent enough thought. Some privacy concerns arose. But for the most part, after the first wave of concern about privacy kind of fell to the wayside with IRL streaming, it just kind of became what it was. And then also social media was thrown in there somehow. But there was a problem. See, IRL streaming very quickly became one of the most popular categories since IRL streaming could literally be anything and of course the terms of service for a creator specifically says no nudity but of course partial nudity ah there we go that's the meta isn't it So, of course, those who felt confident in their personal appearance, we'll put it that way, just went ahead and did IRL streaming by a pool or in a hot tub. And thus, the hot tub meta was born. And it maintained, even into as IRL streaming eventually became just chatting. Which then, of course, caused outrage by those who are just trying to basically be, well, live vloggers for the most part. That's all they wanted to do was just vlog. But how are you going to compete with viewers in the 
just chatting category when you got to compete with hot tub streams. This has been the complaint for quite a while. Well, Twitch finally, years later, decided to address it. And the way Twitch addressed it was pretty amusing. First off, the first four paragraphs of the announcement, I'm, I actually don't know if it was actually, it was like the first three or four, was basically talking about how people shaming streamers should not be tolerated. And no, it shouldn't be. I'll be I'll be blunt. You come into my stream and you and you try try to sh- try to shame me for being the fat guy I am. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say yeah, you're right, and then pro- probably ban you unless you're be- uh, unless you're being joking about it. That's just how it is. You you go ahead and you do that in an IRL stream. Guess what? They're, that's probably gonna be the same thing. And the harassment in the IRL streams in re- against these hot tub streams have been very. Very intense. So, of course, the first three to four paragraphs saying harassment is bad. Okay. Then. That was when Twitch said, you know what? We're going to put these kind of streams into their own category. So thus, the new category, pools, hot tubs, and beaches, has now been born. And Twitch has straight up said, if we find streamers broadcasting this kind of content in other categories, their staff reserves the right to move your stream into this category. But this gets better. This gets even better. Because you might be wondering, why now? Why is this change being being made now? There was no kind of big, massive blow up in the just chatting category. It doesn't take, you know, months to make a new category. So why? Someone in chat is trying to be sarcastic and ask, what's the category for exercising? Uh, there is. It's called fitness. There actually is a fitness category on Twitch. You will never find me in that category. There is one in there for cooking. I have actually done cooking live streams. It's just been a while since for the last year, no one's allowed to see anyone. But I digress. Why was the pools, hot tubs, and beaches category made now?
Because in the world of business, there is one thing that talks the loudest. Money. Advertisers were griping about the fact their wholesome products were being advertised to to viewers that were going ahead and potentially viewing I'm trying to think of the most polite way to, fr- to, to view hot tub streams, okay? They didn't want their stuff shown uh, shown right before hot tub sc- str- streams because that that was their whole gripe. So basically, you put your stream in pools, hot tubs, and beaches, and basically Twitch is saying, well, you're probably not going to see as much ad revenue. And before people go, oh my, oh no, how dare they? How dare they? How dare they hit ad revenue? Ad revenue important, right? You want to know a secret? Let me tell you a dirty, dirty secret. I am not a big channel. Not by any stretch of the imagination. In the last year, or not in the last year, in this last month, you want to know how much I made in ads? And I don't run mid-rollers on my stream. Which you might argue is part of the problem. But everyone who isn't a sub does view an ad in order to watch the stream. You want to know how much I make on ads in this last year, in this last month? 70 cents. That's it. By contrast, the early bird briefing, my daily podcast, has currently been on its brand new platform for and actually monetized with ads for three weeks. And I only put an ad on only the big episodes. That has earned a dollar seventeen in ad revenue. And that's what using a grand total of how, what what number of the past episodes have been monetized? One, two, three, four, five. That's it. This is all pre-tax, by the way. So before anyone tries to launch an outrage about, oh, you're hurting the revenues, the ad revenue made on Twitch is literally, not figuratively, literally a rounding error compared to any other way to make revenue 
on Twitch. And that's including a merch store. Someone in chat says Twitch ad revenue is meaningless to streamers unless you regularly have thousands of viewers. There actually is a... Um, I forgot his name now. But there, yeah, actually, he used to be a Twitch streamer. Now he's no longer a Twitch streamer. He's on a different... He's on YouTube now. But uh, he actually showed his entire breakdown of revenue. His ad revenue was still like sub $100. And he averages 1,200 viewers per stream. The ad revenue on Twitch is just so bad. It is absolutely just... It is absolutely a rounding error. There's no other way to phrase it. And now finally, before we get to our first break... By the way, for those asking why did I talk about the ad revenue on Eagle Eyes on Tech, it's because there is currently a problem with trying to get... Currently, right now, there are still no ads on Eagle Eyes on Tech. That, that's just what it is. When we did our big move recently, there's just... Th- there's a problem. We just haven't done it yet. Speaking of revenue, before we get to the break, Twitter has launched a new subscription service, or at least they announced they're going to be launching a new subscription service called Twitter Blue. Twitter Blue is going to cost $3 a month and give you such amazing features as undoing tweets. And a charge to use the dashboard app TweetDeck and something called Super Follows. I'm not even kidding. I messed up the, uh, I actually messed up a tweet today. And I had to go delete the whole tweet, retype it again. And after finding out that something else I copied from that tweet was misspelled, I'm actually curious. Yep, it is still wrecked because there's four w's in it and i can't undo it i have to delete the whole tweet again and then retype it in order to fix the typo Why do we keep you... This is just one of those moments where you have to look at ourselves and wonder, why? Why do we put up with this nonsense? And the answer is obvious. The answer is very simple. Twitter is the only social media platform of its kind... That has the high user u- or user base that it does. It's the only reason.
And holy cow, much like other giants of its type, like Intel, Twitter has gotten fat and lazy. And I don't mean that as any sort of rip on anyone else. I just mean that is the mentality that Twitter has gotten. It's the same mentality that Intel got. The only problem is that Intel at least had AMD to kick its rear end. Twitter, on the other hand, what's the next competitor to Twitter? The only competitor I can think of is Parler, and its and its name is basically dead. Someone in chat says Facebook. Facebook, I would argue, is a different animal. And Facebook's another company that's also gotten comically fat and lazy with its mentality. Especially when it just leaks data. We're going to take our break here and we come back. We have much, much more to talk, talk about. More Intel news, updates on the chip shortage, and some crypto news as well. And, of course, we will talk about the F-150 Lightning. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. Another thing I actually should add that someone kind of pointed out that was not very well announced by Twitch because, of course, the news of the hot tub category engulfed everything. 450 new tags are being added starting May 26th. It is yet to be seen if these tags will actually be used by literally anyone. We have at I, I say four hundred fifty. Now I'm now I'm actually doubting whether that whether that was the case because now it's been buried now by like the entire conversation we've had of whether people actually use the tags or not. Three hundred and fifty new tags. I'm sorry. A boatload of tags that it is still yet to be seen if they will in fact be used or not by viewers on Twitch or by streamers on Twitch for that fact. We actually had a big debate actually on the stream, twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon, on whether people actually go ahead and search by tags or not. People don't even search. According to uh, my analytics, at least when we talked about it, people didn't even try, didn't even find me by just putting in English as a tag. Like, just let that sink in as far as how underutilized tags are. And when they first announced, we even talked about here on this podcast that this could be the godsend that small studios have been searching for. To finally get discovered. And it turned out that it was absolutely nothing. 
So yet to be seen if these new tags help at all or not. Meanwhile, over in the tech world, Intel, who is currently getting their butt kicked by AMD as far as performance, has decided that they are going to, at least according to a report, try to push so that the next generation of their CPUs are on the ATX 12 volt standard. What does this mean? So, normally, since pretty much 19 always, computers have been powered, unless it's a proprietary system, by multiple different voltages. And it's the power supply's job to send those voltages throughout the entire system. This was called the ATX system, which was put out in... 1996. Thank you, chat. And this, of course, is where you get your big honking 20-pin connector, which eventually became the 24-pin connector. And then you have all sorts of other 12-volt rails going elsewhere. It's also why you'd have a giant nest of uh, wires coming off your power supply until the dawn of modular power supplies where you choose what nest of wires come off your power supply. Well, the ATX 12-volt standard, instead of sending out multiple different voltages, only sends out 12 volts. That's it. The board instead will have a 10-pin connector, or is it a 12-pin connector? Pretty sure it's a 10-pin connector. In fact, I have a picture of it. It's a 12-pin... Wait. It's a 10-pin connector. And then other connectors go to the motherboard as such. There's a 10-pin connector there, a 6-pin connector next to that. There's a 8-pin connector. So the motherboard then is just wired to use 12-pin for everything and convert it to whatever other voltages are elsewhere across the entire system. This means if you still use a SATA drive, the motherboard will have the MOSFETs and the power delivery and everything built into it, and then you hook up a cable to the motherboard to convert it to the 5 volts that a SATA drive would use, whether that be a SATA SSD or a SATA hard drive. So I have some mixed feelings about this. First off, The change to the standard seems like a very douchey move. Because now all of a sudden... Now your... Now your power supply, which was still perfectly good because you went and overspent on your power supply several years ago, is now going to be completely incompatible with a modern system. You have to get an ATX 12 volt power supply to work with the with a motherboard like this. This also means that you have to study your motherboard much more carefully if you go ahead and try to custom build, say, some sort of crazy personal storage server that also games. Like someone in chat was uh, just mentioned that they have a 13 hard drive setup. 
that's going to be a bit difficult to do. You got to make sure you have a motherboard specifically built for that. No longer is it a, you know, make sure you just got power supply that's got enough SATA power delivery on it or sauce if you're into that sort of thing. And then you can always just hook up an external controller to the motherboard in a PCI Express slot. That being said, though, Linus Tech Tips is a YouTube channel, and they've actually done an in-depth look as to how much more efficient this standard is. And it is remarkably more efficient, both in its power consumption, at, but more importantly, its idle power consumption is much, much better than the old ATX standard. So in the end, it's probably for the best that we make this switch. That being said, though, ooh, this is a bad time to be doing a switch like that. Like, I would have probably waited a generation, personally. Right now, with the chip shortage, to try and say, hey, all motherboard must be changed out. Heck, there's a power supply shortage, too, since every single crypto miner has bought up every single 1,000-watt-plus power supply out there to power their money printers. That's graphic cards for those who are not in the loop. So I think this is a good good thing. I believe it's a good move. I think it would be a much, much better move in two years. Just saying. Someone in chat's commented ab- about the, the state of crypto. We're going to get to that. Don't worry. In fact, I think the story is right. Is actually just up ahead. But speaking of that same chip shortage, it's starting to hit more and more of the average consumer, not just the gamers. Gamers have been feeling it since day one. Our gaming GPUs and our game consoles were the very first things to get hit by the crypto shortage. The very first thing, without a doubt. Well, now... The chip shortage is driving up the prices of TVs. The average TV has gone up by almost 30% compared to last year, all because of the chip shortage. So for those thinking just like, wow, why is everything more expensive? This is why. I was, I've been saying this chip shortage could affect... Way more than just GPUs. Lo and behold. What did I tell you? It's affecting the world. But of course, you know, us gamers are going, well, the chip shortage is affecting a lot with our, with our cards, right? But, you know, cryptocurrency miners are hurting it too. What are we going to do about that? Well, we talked about a rumor. It has been confirmed. NVIDIA has made it official. There are going to be new versions 
of the RTX 3080, 3070, and 3060 Ti. And these are going to be called, as the rumors suggested, LHR, or Light Hash Rate GPUs. And these LHR GPUs will fortunately have that branding on them so that you, as the consumer, know whether you're getting an LHR GPU or a normal HR GPU. How are they doing this? Well, guess what? Our old friend, Unhackable Ethereum Hash Rate Limiter, is back. You know, the unhackable hash rate limiter that was hacked within a week of it being announced on the 3060. Yep, it's back! But NVIDIA says, don't worry! It's totally unhackable this time. I'm super duper serial right now. Because there's a hash rate limiter built into the BIOS. There's one built into the firmware. There's one built into the drivers. And there's even a hardware-based one. I don't believe you on that last one, by the way. The same graphic card maker where a resistor was the difference between a $4,000 Quadro and a $1,000 Titan. Yeah, I have a hard time believing that's the case. Oh, yeah, and a boatload of memory. But still, oh, actually, no, a much better example is they're between a grid card and a Tesla card. That actually was one resistor. But they're totally different cards, guys. Super serious. Some people in chat are saying it's going to take three days for these cards to get hacked. I will give NVIDIA more credit than that. I will say two weeks. I will say two... Actually, no. I take that back. I will say two... No, three weeks. I will say three weeks until it's hacked for the sake of being hacked. I actually do wonder how much longer the buzz of crypto mining is going to last to be perfectly honest because we are at the time of recording this seeing a big underline big dip he says bringing up his app that monitors cryptocurrency pricing right now to make sure there isn't a recovery there was a recovery god bloody a recovery on everything except doge doge dipped bitcoin made a big recovery Although it's on, it's trending down again. Ethereum is drunk. Dogecoin is Dogecoin. Dogecoin's actually trending down. So yeah, your prices on the big three cryptos have been flexing greatly. I'm pretty sure I actually have... Oh, I actually do have stories talking about them. Whoops. So that what I... So the whole dip with crypto right now, and we'll talk a bit about why that's dipping in, in a bit. I actually don't think 
it's going to it's going to take longer than we normally would expect it because now there's no incentive to crack the cards other than the sake of cracking the cards. If Ethereum was still back up at 4K, I would say yes. I would say it would take a week. Cuz once you have a once you have the incentive of money thrown in front of your face, you have much more incentive. You're going to work harder to crack it. Without it, you're you like, eh, I'll get to it when I get to it. Whatevs. And of course, it doesn't help at all that, you know, Ethereum is moving to a completely different method of supporting their blockchain. So, you know... There's that as well. They're hoping to cut their power consumption. I'm not sure how they're reading it. Either down by a lot, the overwhelming majority of their power consumption or down by almost half of their power consumption. I'm not entirely certain how to read their post, but basically. Ethereum wants to change themselves to the point where no longer will GPUs mine the currency, which is going to be big, big news for those who have been waiting for GPUs to be in existence. You know, looking at that uh, that 1060 you have in your scrapyard station and wondering how much more life it has in it because you already bu- bought it from just like some random dude you knew. And that random dude hasn't 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 steered you wrong before but at the same time man that is not a very good looking 1060 in there with a freaking block of aluminum with fins on it and a fan someone in chat asked so what you're saying is that those cards will actually be unhackable because they'll be made obsolete um Kind of. What will actually be made obsolete? And it's one thing we haven't seen a whole lot of lately. NVIDIA announced, and we talked about it here on the podcast, about uh, specifically cryptocurrency mining cards. They called them HPUs or something like that. I actually forgot what they called them. CPUs? No, that can't be CPUs. Or was it? I can't remember what what the, they they came up with like some stupid acronym that nobody cares about for them, and they were like previous gen cards that didn't have a ha- hash rate limiter on them, and just saying like here you want to ha- you want to do it just use these cards. We haven't seen those cards in existence because, as I said, there's a chip shortage, so of course you couldn't make those cards either. Those cards are going to be actual e-waste. Once Ethereum moves to this proof-of-stake model. Because, of course, those cards have no video out. Someone in chat says Ethereum will just be forked. 
possibly. I'll admit. I'm not the end-all, be-all source for all things crypto. But with the price going down, the conversation being started by Elon Musk last week of is cryptocurrency bad for the environment after he spent two months praising the Doge, which is also GPU mined, by the way, You know, crypto is not looking good. And then in addition to that, in addition to that, this actually brings us to this story. Major facilities in China no longer accept cryptocurrencies. More to soon follow in addition to the IRS here in the U.S. also looking to investigate and also tax transactions with cryptocurrency. This caused Bitcoin and Ethereum to plunge, making its market cap, TM, fall by almost $1 trillion. And I don't feel sorry for any of them, despite the fact that I myself lost about $70 and messing around in that whole thing. Anyway. Because you know what? Yeah, I lost a little bit of money doing going into the crypto game and just buying and sell buying and selling and actually making a little bit. But you know what? You know what? I knew what I was getting into. I knew that every single cryptocurrency in existence is a bubble. And eventually the bubble goes pop. And I have been saying over and over and over and over and over again that there is no real value to literally any cryptocurrency at all none the only thing supporting any cryptocurrency is the belief by your fellow suckers that your cryptocurrency is worth something you can go ahead and preach the usual nonsense about but it's a decentralized currency as the world governments fall you know, Bitcoin can still exist. But that's just it. There's nothing backing it. Let's let's say, you know, your local government falls and now all your currency is worthless. The same can be said for Bitcoin. Nothing has ever backed it. At least with a dollar... There's a federal government to back it. There is at least something backing it. Bitcoin, the only thing backing it is basically this app. I'm using crypto for it 
saying that Bitcoin is currently worth $38,000 and some change per coin. Or that Dogecoin is worth 34 cents per coin. Because that's what other people say. But if someone like, say, the majority of the places in China say it's worthless, well, look what happens to it. The value of the of the Bitcoin is now suddenly in a country worth zero. In the end, all cryptocurrency is worth is whatever everyone else's hopes and dreams say it's worth. So these people who went ahead, they took out a mortgage on their home and they invested it all in Dogecoin because their because their tech friend who knew something trust them nudge nudge wink wink. I honestly don't feel sorry for you. I take that back. I feel sorry that you were tricked into it. I feel sorry that you believed the BS you are being fed. And I say this with an article up that shows someone holding gold coins with the Bitcoin logo put on it. Those aren't what Bitcoins are. They're, Bitcoins are literally nothing. Will Bitcoin recover? Maybe. Bitcoin is already, as, as we're recording this, is starting to trend up. It could dip again. I'm personally ho- holding on to what few Dogecoins I have because. Well, I pretty much already. I already lost 20 in Doge, so I mean, what do I got to lose? Another 20? No big deal to me. What's the worst happens? It goes down to zero? Oh, well. In the end, though, those saying that it's a wise investment to go into crypto... Uh, no. No, it's not. In fact, I would argue that, re- you know, you know, not too long ago when a whole bunch of people invested in uh, GameStop stock because there was a meme and pretty much just to stick it to a whole bunch of, uh, of uh I can't remember if it was actually if it actually was hedge fund guys or uh or just other general stock brokers that w- that were shorting the game stop st- 
stock, which is still very difficult to say. Remember that whole thing? Investing in GameStop was a smarter move than investing in crypto. Because crypto can go a whole bunch of places. And right now, crypto could go literally anywhere. In fact, one of the better things you could do if you have a lot of spare time and want to monitor it quickly... You because because the crypto is so volatile right now. If you if you do short term trades, you can actually make a decent amount. What is GameStop at right now? What is GME at? GME is currently at wow one hundred seventy six dollars. Okay, maybe buying into into GME right now is not a great plan. That is still way overvalued. But the logic with it, at least investing in GameStop or GME is that at the very least, it is a company that's trying to recover, has some people on hand that know a thing or two, despite the fact they grossly mishandled themselves during the pandemic. And there's still a potential and a logic as to... Why GameStop will be worth more later on. The logic behind Bitcoin being worth more is just hoping other people believe you. That's it. Of all the things I I expected to get go long-winded on, cryptocurrency was not one of them today. Let's just instead talk about how TSMC says says that they have they have managed to accomplish one nanometer. TSMC has found a way to make a one nanometer silicon chip. Someone in chat wants to know if GameStop has a CEO right now. Um I actually don't know. I know Reggie was brought onto uh onto the board. No, they have a CEO right now. George Sh- Sherman currently is uh is currently a CEO. Oh no, never mind. He is on his way out bunch of other people on the way out too i don't know what the status is right now google currently has it said that george sermon is the ceo from april 15th 2019 to present but it looks like he's on his way out but hasn't been hasn't been pushed out yet Anyway, TSMC has made a one nanometer process. To put that in perspective, Intel is currently on the 14 nanometer process and has been since 19 always. 
Which then raises the next question. You're at one nanometer. What's the next step down? I'm seriously asking. I don't know enough metric to know what's smaller than nano. Pico. Pico is the step down. So up next then would be... Would it be a 9 picometer or would it be a 999 picometer? Regardless, we need to start now learning about picos. Now that TSMC has hit 1 nanometer. And now that TSMC has done this, I have to ask, does this mean you can make chips... Uh, f- uh, six times more efficient or seven times more efficient since most chips right now are seven nanometers. Now you can make them at one nanometer. That means you can make seven chips in the space you'd make seven nanometers, right? 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 Yeah, no, that's not how that works. One nanometer is a thousand picometers. And then, of course, there is the question of how much smaller can you actually get? Of course, that's where the whole thing of Moore's Law came in. Moore's Law originally said that the smallest that anyone could ever go was 10 nanometers. Well, showed them. We're going to take a break here. Actually, no, I take that back. We're going to go actually talk about this next story about the new AMD CPUs. The new Ryzen Vermer refresh. The whole point of this refresh of these AMD Uh, someone in the chat says, well, it looks like less is more. Oh, that's awful. Anyway, the whole point of this new Ryzen Vermer refresh is solely to build these chips more efficiently so that they can try and get around All the current fabs being over, overbooked, overfilled, causing the chip shortage. We're getting more and more reports similar to this. Last week, we talked about a report saying that Sony was in the works of developing a new PS5, uh, possibly slim, for the sole purpose of using a slightly different processor that would be around the same power, but could be done in a different fabrication process to get around the overbooked fabrication plants. The sole purpose of it was to try and get around the chip shortage. Now, of course, that report, as I said, said then, we take with a bowl of salt. 
This, however, this seems more real because there's been a lot more hints of this right now. Whereas the PS5 report just smelled like it smelled like a Call of Duty player in his basement really, really hoping for something big to happen so that he can get his new Call of Duty game, despite the fact I don't think there's a Call of Duty game on the next gen as of yeah, we're going to take our break here now, and when we come back, let's talk about other chips, like this supposed 40-core Mac Pro in the works. If you want to come and chat with me when I'm recording these podcasts, just go ahead and visit me at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. We record Eagle Eyes on Tech every... Well, usually every Saturday. Sometimes it's we have to do it on a Sunday, but pretty much every Saturday is when we record record these. And also during the rest of the week, we have all other kinds of fun silliness with all kinds of different games. Check it out. Twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right. So, now that Apple is actually doing something interesting for once in their lives, like, real talk, when was the last time that what Apple is doing is actually fascinating? You can't remember, can you? Until Apple Silicon, it was just like, Oh, look, Apple updated the keyboard on their laptops. It turns out that keyboard is bad. Oh, look, Apple uh, added a giant hump on the back of the iPhone and removed the headphone jack. This hump is really ugly. Why is everyone else in the in the phone industry copying Apple? Like, it's been very boring. But of course, now we have colorful iMacs that weigh about as much as a laptop and need an external power adapter, much like a laptop, in fact. In fact, if they just think about this for a second, on those iMacs, imagine if they made the iMac a little thicker and include a battery. It could have been brilliant. Someone in chat asked how how much is the brickway? The brickway is less than the iMac. The brick is not going to drag down the iMac. But if you tug on the cord, you could very easily drag down the iMac if it weren't for the fact the cord is magnetic. So it'll just pop right out and power down your system instead of dragging the entire iMac down on the floor. Your cat cannot kill your $1,000 computer. Easily. But that's not the interesting part. No, the interesting part are rumors of uh, what the Apple Silicon-based Mac desktops are going to look like. More Mac Minis are in the works. A theoretical Mac Mini Pro... Excuse me. Could also be in the works, which would not surprise me at all, because the current Mac Mini... 
I'm not even exaggerating when I say half of the current Mac Mini is empty space. It is actually stunning. Absolutely stunning and clearly shows how much the Mac Mini was rushed. How inefficient the current Mac Mini is. The main, the the logic board, yeah, the logic board, that's what they call it. The logic board, I'm not even kidding, takes up half the the capacity the old one did. So it would not surprise you at all if there was a Mac Mini Pro that used a higher-end chip and filled in the rest of that space. Chat wants picks. Well, it's an audio podcast. I can't give you picks. But the spicy information that's coming out is the Mac Pro could in fact be twice the size as the previous gen Mac Pro. We're talking about the cheese grater here, by the way. And include an up to 40 core Apple Silicon CPU with a GPU on it that either supports 64 or 128 cores. And these are codenamed the 2C die and the 4C die on the Mac Pro. There will also be a 16 and 32 core version of these as well. Or no, they're saying that it, that it will have 16 high performance cores and... Uh, 32 low performance core. Or are they doing the other way around? That's the power efficient ones, 16 power efficient and 32 high performance. So it's not going to be a true 40 core system, but you want to know what my take on it is? What's the point? No, seriously. What is the point? What is the one thing I say over and over and over and over again when it comes to a professional machine? Uptime. Performance is important in a professional machine, yes. But uptime and reliability, by far, hands down, bar none, is the most important part. The Mac, the last generation Mac Pro introduced in the field repairability you could with just two screwdrivers one being a phillips and the other being the proprietary pentalobe nonsense that that apple loves for reasons that i absolutely hate you could tear down that entire machine and replace any component of it assuming you had it on hand There's no heat gun required. There's no this. There's no that. There's no the other thing. You know what all the Apple Silicon Macs have in common? Fewer parts. 
and one of those parts is the is the logic board and that's pretty much the whole blasted system all of it right there and the fact this new mac pro is going to be half the size well guess what that means your flexibility that you used to have with the old mac pro being able to throw in whatever GPU you want, throw in whatever storage you want, throw in this, that, the other thing, whatever the heck you want, it is gone. Completely. That has now been cut down to size by half. The current Mac Pro had that benefit. There, that that whole board was CPU, RAM. And the rest of it was PCI Express slots across the board. Even the main I.O. was on a PCI Express slot. If you didn't like that I.O. and you wanted to upgrade it, you could pop it out, pop it whenever you wanted. Gone. Completely and utterly. And you could have even thrown in parts that weren't Apple parts. You could have thrown in a third-party GPU. It might not work if it was NVIDIA because... NVIDIA peed in Apple's cereal one morning and they haven't been on speaking terms ever since or something of the matter. But you could throw an NVIDIA card in and boot into Windows and it would work. You could throw in whatever AMD GPU and it would work. But that's gone. I actually wonder... Since this rumor is talking about, you know, 64, 128 core GPUs, has Apple not only kicked out Intel, but also kicked out AMD? Is Apple going to be in charge of all the GPUs from here on out? That's a very good question, huh? And I'm not going to lie. I have much more faith in... Actually, right now, I have much more faith in and uh, even AMD's GPUs than I do in Apple's, considering the fact that Apple continues to look at their iPhone and say it's a gaming console. How many times did Apple say console-grade performance? Let me ask you something. Go, go fire up any mobile game aside from Genshin Impact on your phone and say, yep, that be console-grade. In fact, I've actually heard a lot of people saying their high-end smartphones chug with Genshin Impact. We still don't have a definition of what Genshin Impact is. Or not Genshin, or what uh, console-grade is. According to Apple. Chat brings up a very good point. The the original Nintendo Entertainment System is in fact a console. It's true. By that logic. Clearly anything is console grade. My phone is console grade. My watch even. Is console grade. In fact actually my watch has a golden eye watch face on it. So. Already. It is console grade, specifically N64, 
console grade. Yeah. So, we'll see what the... What they plan on doing. We'll see what ends up happening. We have more interesting rumors. And actually these. I'm actually more thrilled about. We have rumors about the next generation MacBook Pro. Saying it's going to have an upgraded CPU. Duh. But more importantly. We are seeing the return. Of the MagSafe power adapter. And. USB-A. USB-A, for, for those who don't know, is in fact... Or is it USB-B? A standard USB port they're returning in addition to HDMI video out and some rumors are even saying the SD card reader is returning to the MacBook Pro. Well, will you look at that? Apple finally acknowledging that professionals want more ports than frickin' USB-C. Wow. Wow. It is USB-B. USB-A is the square one that goes in the printer. Okay, that's that's what I thought as I was saying it. We're seeing standard USB return. Now you might be saying, what do you care? You're never going to get an Apple computer. Let me tell you. I don't, even if you're just like, I'm always going to get a Dell or an HP or a Lenovo or whatever for a laptop, or I'm always going to be an Android phone user. I don't care what the iPhone does. No, no, you are wrong. You do care. You care greatly about what Apple does. You want to know why? And you know this as well as I do. It's because every other tech company is a dumb sheep. They are. Apple does something mind-numbingly dumb. And every other tech company blindly does it. Because they're dumb. The company goes ahead. A- Apple goes and ditches the headphone jack so they can sell more AirPods. Well, guess what? Now every single freaking flagship high-end phone out there has no headphone jack. Apple goes ahead and creates a giant metal tumor on the back of their phone and stuffs the cameras into that tumor. Well, I'm holding in my hand here my Galaxy S21 Ultra and look at the size of that chunk. Look at it. It's huge. A fifth of the phone is this massive metal bump. If I put it if I put it on the table and try to poke it, you can hear it. Because the bump is huge. Because Apple turned the bump into a statement. They put the, they made the giant flaw 
in the phone and turned it into a feature. This is what Apple does. And this is also why I keep my phone in an OtterBox case. So that the rest of the phone is now thicker. But I digress. And of course, the same thing happened to laptops. Every single thin and light laptop out there. What'd they do? Some of them actually did keep a USB-A. Like, I've got my ThinkPad tablet over there that was made in the same generation. It's got two USB-Cs on it, but it does have a USB-A. And I think it, I think it has, yeah, it does have a headphone jack on it. It probably also has something else on it, too. It, pro- it probably has, like, what are the ports on this thing, anyway? Now I'm curious. What is all on this thing? Oh, we got a, I'm sorry, we got a USB-C. That's also the charging port. A USB 3.0 port. A mini display port. The big connector on the bottom to connect a keyboard. A headphone jack. And a camera no one uses. That's it. Oh, and a front-facing camera that you're actually going to use. There's also supposed to be, I think, uh, this bottom part comes off, and there's supposed to be a part where you can attach to give you more ports. But I can live without it. Because it is just a Windows 10 machine. So the fact that Apple is switching back to actually having frickin' ports on a laptop, what a novel concept... It means every single other sheep-like tech company out there will hopefully follow. Also, there's rumors that the next Apple Watch Series 7 is going to have flat edges much like the current iPhone. And, eh, it's about time the Apple Watch gets an updated look, personally. But, um, honestly, like, sharp, uh, like... Even a dull edge on a watch? I don't know. That doesn't seem like a great idea. But I don't know. There's also word that uh, the Face ID chip on the next iPhone is also going to be smaller, which could mean a smaller notch. Ooh. Uh, that that was the thing I actually missed in my rant. The notch. The flippin' notch. The worst thing to blight the entire smartphone industry. Everyone copied that. Everyone became dumb. Make the make the whole screen irregular, not standard. Make your viewing experience awkward. And then on top of that, make a chunk of the screen missing. Thanks, I hate it. I will say at least Android phones handle the notch better than Apple. By far. Without a doubt. You know what we haven't gotten an update on on lately? We haven't gotten an update on Apple versus Epic. 
the case has been actually kind of quiet the past couple days until late last week. Because Apple, oh, Apple, um, I think they suddenly let Alex Jones kind of just take over their case because all of a sudden, Apple tried to suggest that uh, Microsoft was behind the Epic Games lawsuit all along. I mean, it's possible. But it seems extremely unlikely. And I've thought about this for a couple of days. What would Microsoft gain from this? Epic has more to gain from suing Apple than Microsoft uh, than Microsoft has for suing Apple using Epic as a proxy. Like it's feels conspira- it feels like a conspiracy theory. And then worse, even if the conspiracy theory was true, the end game seems to make no sense. I have suggested from the get-go, and maybe I'm wrong. It wouldn't be the first time. I have suggested pretty much early on that, in fact, the end goal of Epic Games is to get an Epic Games store on iOS. Because Epic has, in fact, looked at a company like Steam, looked at how much money Steam makes just by being Steam, or how much money Valve makes by being Steam, and decide they want a piece of that. And hey, if they can get that on other platforms, like say, platforms that where there's a big monopoly made, because of course the only way onto iOS is through the Apple App Store, and the only majority way to get onto Android is through the Google Play Store, but not the only way. You know, breaking through that wall is big. And I'm telling you, that is what Epic is after. No matter how you slice it, no matter how you dice it, that to me is still the end. Microsoft, in from what what do they have to gain from this? The same thing, except the Apple, except the Microsoft Store does already exists and is terrible by comparison and gets no traction. But you know what slays me? I can look as a random tech guy at a company like Steam and say, you know what? The whole thing of being the vendor that sells games is extremely profitable. I can very easily look at that and say that is a factual statement. You know what Apple said in the case? 
Apple execs said they don't know if the App Store is pr- even profitable at all. Are you kidding me? How dumb do you think we are? Apple. Do do you think that we're idiots? Do you think that we're mentally impaired? What is wrong with you? Of course the app store is profitable. It doesn't take a genius to figure this out. You want you want what's even better? You want to how you want to how I know this statement is even more BS other than it's just being BS. I know it's profitable because Apple announces every single year and brags, underline brags. About how much money they make with the App Store. Every single year at WWDC, these same, the exact same Apple execs that are trying to say, I don't know if App Store is profitable. They go onto a stage and say, we have made money hand over fist on the app store and you can be a part of that too and that's why you're here at this developer conference every single year every single year it'd be one thing if it's just like some rando they grabbed from from apple made this dumb dumb ignorant statement but this is from phil schiller every single year Phil Schiller goes on stage at WWEZ and Apple strokes its own freaking revenue boner for the world to see at WWDC every single year. I guarantee you this year, they won't. But every other year, oh yeah, they do. Oh boy. They want you to know just how good that app store is and you should take our developer tools home with you today and develop for the app store every single year how dumb does apple think we are i i really do want to know some days now, if you if you thought that was the end of outrageous statements Apple says, oh, it gets better. During the court case, Greg Federighi, who I have most likely butchered his last name, and I apologize for that, has gone up and said that Macs have unacceptable levels of malware. Oh, they do. I see. Remember when Max couldn't get viruses? Hmm. I want to print off this story and just mount it on my wall. Anytime. Or no, no, no. I'm going to print this article out. Keep it in my wallet. 
So when I'm actually allowed to roam out in the public again, and I run into an Apple fanboy, and they say that Macs don't get viruses, I can pull out this article and say, what now? What now? But here's the better question. If Macs have unacceptable level levels of malware, then why should we buy one of those bright, shiny iMacs? In fact, why bring this up at all? That comes off as bizarre. Oh, you want to know why? This is why. You see, the Mac is an open platform. Anyone can install whatever they want on the Mac. But iOS, the iPhone, that is a closed platform. Apple controls everything. And of course, that's its main selling point. And it actually is. That actually is one of the best, biggest selling points of iOS, is that it is a very controlled environment and you could basically just hand it to anyone, and it's very intuitive. If it is a platform of malware, and all sorts of exploits are taken advantage of, well, then the appeal of iOS is gone. That's why they, that's why they thrash on their own Macs. But if they go ahead and say that iOS cannot cannot be as close as it is, then that could ruin the entire iOS experience. And there could be something to say about that. However, I'd like to make two counterpoints to this. One, in a court of law, that doesn't matter. People want to pretend that what that the correct decision in a court of law is based about is is based on what is best for everyone. The case of Apple versus Epic isn't about what is best for Apple and Epic? The question that's being asked in the case is, in fact, is Apple's control over the iOS ecosystem a breach of antitrust? Is it, is it illegal monopolistic behavior? So the statement opening up iOS could, in fact, be... hazardous to the envi- to the iOS environment is irrelevant that is not a question that is being answered by the court it is in fact an argument that should in fact in a court of law be ignored 
The other point I'd point out is that the statement that opening up and allowing other stores on iOS could ruin the experience, that might hold true if it weren't for the fact that, oh, I don't know, there was already a platform that did that. And it's iOS's major competitor. I can go install whatever store I want on this Android phone I'm holding right here that you can't see because it's an audio-only podcast. It's right here. We're all on the scene. With an embarrassing number of notifications. But it's all there. Anything can be installed. Whatever I want. I could even install... You know, some illegal pirated stuff if I wanted. I don't. But I could. So, Apple's argument doesn't really hold here. And in fact, the the last couple of days of this trial doesn't actually look good for Apple. And the fact they even tried to go down this road at all kind of says a lot about the flow of everything that's going in the case. Now, of course, that assumption could be wrong because it is just that. It is an assumption. And I'm not going to lie. I have not exactly been sitting down spending hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of my day every single day keeping keeping tabs on this case and others because I don't know about you I have a life it's not much of one but I have one and I like to maintain it but based on what we're seeing it's not looking good for apple And then to make matters even worse, Apple's supposed enthusiast-level AirPods Max headphones do not support Apple's lossless audio because of the limitations of Bluetooth. (laughs) You spend... $500 on headphones and you can't even support Apple's own lossless audio support over them I mean for the average user it's irrelevant it really is only like the most audiophile of audiophiles would want that that level of quality The average person is just not going to care. The average person also doesn't own a pair of AirPods Max. But the fact that Apple's own in-house solutions for the peak audio experience are not compatible with each other does make me smile way, way too much. Slow freaking clap good job apple
Good job. We're going to take our last break, hopefully our last break here. And when we come back, let's talk about the Ford F-150 and the new all-electric version of it. Enjoying the show so far? Well, you'll be happy to know that there actually is a smaller, more bite-sized version of this podcast. I call it the Early Burb Briefing which you can find at anchor.fm slash early burb briefing. That's B-I-R-B. Keep that in mind. That airs every single day, a little bit of four minutes, and that's it, targeting one single story, sometimes two, but it's a nice little bite-sized version of this podcast, and I highly recommend. Go check it out. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so let's talk about pickup trucks. Whether we want to admit it or not, the overwhelming majority of, well, not the over majority of, well, not the overall majority, but the most popular vehicle pretty much in the world is the Ford F-150. It's their baseline full-sized pickup truck. And it actually wasn't all that long ago. It actually did get a significant refresh, including an electric hybrid engine. This engine told it not only would it be more fuel efficient, but you can use the stupid high-end inverters on this hybrid engine, because it's a hybrid, to also power pretty much an entire workstation almost 7,000 watts of in the field power basically using your your pickup truck as a generator out in the field that th- this was a big refresh for a pickup truck turning it not only from a making it more of a utility vehicle than it already was and it already was a very utilitarian vehicle but also making it a very luxurious feel as well so we knew eventually Ford was going to come up with an all-electric version of it, and in fact, recently, they did. And based on what rumors were saying, we were expecting one that looked exactly like the current model. It does not. It looks similar. But not exact. The new F-150 Lightning actually looks like it took a lot of design cues from about nine years ago with the shape of the lighting bar on it. They did put a light bar on the front of the hood, uh, very similar to the Cybertruck and all that sort of jazz. One thing we don't know, though, is does it have the same sort of utility work as the tailgates of... uh, the current F-150. The current F-150, you could have... I think, like, the max power package you could have on there was... Like, four base electrical outlets in the bed of the truck and a 220-volt... Or what's referred to here in the U.S. as a dryer outlet in the bed of the truck, which was absurd. You have that, but I don't know if some of the other utilitarian features of the tailgate 
look at having a built-in measure measuring stick a uh special areas for using clamps and all that sort of jazz built into it or not they didn't mention but of course there's a few things we also learned one this big 15 inch touchscreen that ford used in their mock e mustang electric car which is currently available by the way we thought it was gonna be delayed it was not uh that is also in this lightning pickup truck there also does appear to be a gear shifter in it shifting what gears i don't know i'm assuming just change it from park to reverse to neutral to drive i assume since it's electric there's there's no transmission but we don't know because we weren't given all that many details but here's basically all people care about yes it looks like a normal vehicle yes it does have a front truck a a front trunk or as ford also called it a frunk the other thing they did is that they borrowed something they used to use in the i want to say it was a 2007 ford feature and that the hood when you open the hood the grill also comes up with it they use that to also go up with the lid of it so you actually have easier access to the front trunk and i'm not gonna lie a front trunk on a pickup truck makes a metric ton of sense since on a pickup truck you have no trunk you have an open bed so i mean to have an enclosed place where you can just store stuff and know it's not going to get wet if it rains it makes a lot of sense it's actually pretty smart a lot of pickup truck users they would actually have enclosed spaces built into the bed of their pickup truck and lose bed space there because they wouldn't have it anywhere else other unless they put it like behind the front seat or something so i mean they went ahead they made a giant front trunk brilliant they made it so that the front grill comes up with it so you have easier access smart another thing they also made as a feature and this is clearly this is clearly aimed at both a the prepper crowd and b people who lived in texas within the last year the electric charger that that ford sells if your house is wired for it properly can also have the battery in the pickup truck power the house in case of a power outage ford claims it can power it for a couple of days if needed i have doubts that it could power it for days but that is still just kind of mind-blowing and as someone in the chat said this kills the battery this is going to put a lot of extra strain on the battery and i'm willing to bet much like how other electric vehicles work 
I'm willing to bet there's a decent chunk of that battery that is intentionally being reserved to never be used until it starts sensing there's battery decay in place to give the illusion that the battery is lasting longer than it actually is. And then, of course, the thing that people care about the most. What is... Well, there's two things people care about the most. One, what is the range? The estimated range is going to be either at the low-end model of 230 miles, which isn't bad, or the extended version of having estimated 300 miles, which also isn't bad. By contrast, one of our vehicles is an F-Series. It is an F-550, which is one of the the technically a commercial-grade vehicle. That sucker on a full tank of diesel gets a range of 420 miles. And I'm not saying that to be a meme lord. It actually is about 420 miles on a fresh tank of diesel. So it's not quite up to what the gas and diesel equivalents get using my several tier higher pseudo pickup truck, but not really as a comparison. But, you know, for an average person, that's pretty good. And of course, that range is going to go down if you're towing, which this sucker is supposedly able to tow up to 10,000 pounds. Which is less than certain models of the F-150, But, for those of you who don't know, 10,000 pounds, in the U.S. at least, is a magical towing number. Because above 10,000 pounds, or 5 tons, that is the legal limit of normal cargo that one person can tow without a commercial driver's license. The limit is either a 13-ton vehicle or... Five tons of towing. Once you're over that, you are supposed to have a CDL. And of course, what is the starting price? The starting price is just slightly under 40 grand. Specifically, $39,974. And it can go all the way up to $90,000. Going all the way up to $90,000 is not that abnormal for an F-150 because the trim levels on these things is dumb. And you can get loaded out with so many features that it's just dumb. Now that being said, how does it compare to other electric trucks? Well, there's only one that we actually have pricing on. That isn't a meme. Well, actually, it is a meme. The only other vehicle that this compares to, of course, is the Tesla uh, the Tesla Cybertruck. And you know what's funny about the Tesla Cybertruck? If you go to Tesla, you will first off see on their site that the only models they show is Model Sexy, Model S, Model 3, Model X, Model Y. In that order, they knew exactly what they are doing. The solar roof and the solar panels. And that is it. If you want to find info about the Cybertruck, you have to go into the menu 
And then the fourth item is finally the Cybertruck. And then, of course, you see a lot of things. They start preaching about it, about how it's, you know, it's exoskeleton and it's framing and everything. And I think that framing that exoskeleton is what's going to keep it from being shipped as is, because I'm pretty sure that's not street legal because you have to have built-in crumple zones. And according to what they're saying, there is absolutely no crumple zones in it anywhere. And also, even in their official pictures, it looks like something that was rendered on a Nintendo 64. Granted, an N64 that was, in fact, rendered with uh, RGB out and modded for a crisp image, but it still looks like it was rendered on an N64. And there is no date or pricing anywhere on the page on it, unless you try to order. And then when you order... That is when you see the single motor version is $39,900. But that's single motor rear wheel drive. So technically, the Cybertruck is cheaper to get in. But you have the downside of it not only being, you know, about as beautiful as a polygon monster. But it's rear wheel only, whereas the F-150 Lightning is all-wheel drive by default. But there's another thing about it. The Cybertruck, much like the Model 3 and the Model Y, only have the center screen. There is no gauge cluster. The F-150, because it's made by a real car company actually includes the gauge cluster because they know every single driver in existence has been trained from birth to look behind the steering wheel for the statistics you need when you drive that has been my gripe on tesla and all these cheap models like oh we just took out one screen to save money why But that is all we know so far. The only other ve- the only other electric pickup truck that's been announced has been from Rivian, who has not even given prices out yet, but says they're totally going to be shipping soon. By the end of 2021, they say. Oh, that's the other thing. The Ford F-150 is going to be launching first half of 2022. Cybertruck. Their last update is that production will production will be near 2021. Single motor production expected to be late 2022. Dual motor and uh, tri motor are both expected in late 2021. We have heard basically radio silence out of Elon Musk regarding the Cybertruck for the longest time now. The only thing we've gotten out of Elon Musk is flipping Dogecoin to the moon. That's it. Literally. That's it. Good job. Oh, yeah. And GM announced that they were going to make a, a all-electric pickup truck Hummer. 
but that starts at a hundred grand. So literally nobody cares. Literally no one cares. Just like nobody actually cares about Snap announcing uh a new generation of spectacles that will give a new streamlined AR experience in the world. Well, there we go. Someone in chat says next will be the electric muscle car. But they already did that. There already is an electric muscle car. Ford made the Ford Mustang Mach-E, an all-electric Mustang. You can actually buy this now. I should also mention, because I failed to, that, uh, of course, with the F-150 and with the Mach-E we just brought up now, there is a $7,000 federal tax credit currently available if you were to get such a such a vehicle anyway back to snap snap made made new ar glasses the real question is how well do they work we don't know all we gotten was a very blurry image of a guy i'm curious how well they work but at the same time this is snap snap hasn't been relevant in a long long time meanwhile we have self-defending slash flash storage someone in chat asking you play Yu-Gi-Oh on the snap AR glasses you know now you're on to something maybe that's what revives the dead the dead card game And what's the risk of being banished to the Shadow Realm thanks to your Snap AR glasses? Anyway, back to the story at hand. Fission and Sigent has created self-defending Flash Story. They claim that they have created the first and only line of self-defending storage devices with cybersecurity built onto the firmware that will go ahead and protect itself from such things as malware and, of course, ransomware. Prove it. I want to see the proof. I want to see the proof that this flash drive is unhackable. So many people are trying to say unhackable. That's just, it's getting to be kind of maddening. Seagate has also announced they have made the world's fastest hard drive and it can actually rival solid state drives. They're wrong, Truda. Yes, they have made a hard drive that's as fast as an SSD. So, what does this mean? Honestly, for those of us that just 
are just average computer users, this means basically nothing. Let's be perfectly honest. For the most part, the overwhelming majority of most computer users are just going to get a one terabyte SSD and be done with it. Maybe a two terabyte SSD if they if they feel like, yeah, they might be getting a little tight. A, a big hard drive is not all that common for home storage. In fact, you can even tell the real candidate for this super fast hard drive that uses multiple heads per platter to read faster is not the average user. You can tell this because the connector on it is not SATA. It's SAS. SAS, for those who don't know, is is also known as Serial Attach SCSI. And it is used heavily in the data center and enterprise environment. This is going to be used for mid-tier storage or just a cheaper alternative to high-speed storage without using a metric ton of super expensive SSDs. Each of these drives will be 14 terabyte hard drives. They're referred to as the Seagate Mach 2 Exos. Now, someone in chat's just like, isn't Seagate notorious for getting the header stuck? The thing is, is that um, there's a difference between what Seagate makes for the masses and what Seagate makes for the enterprise. Enterprise-grade Seagates are rock solid. The Barracudas that they make for you and I is chump change. Compared to the Iron Wolves they make for data centers. Both in cost and in quality. So the fact that these are only available in sauce pretty much tells you everything you need to know. It's not for you and me. It's for the data center. And me. Because I'm crazy. And have a and have a rack in my spare bedroom. One thing they actually don't say is if it's a three and a half inch drive or a two and a half inch drive. I imagine these are three and a half inches at fourteen terabytes. I can't imagine they manage to scrunch down fourteen terabytes to a two and a half inch drive. They don't say, but the picture of it looks like a three and a half. So there you go. Hard drive. Hard drive updates. Hard drive still being relevant. Microsoft is rolling out Dolby Vision HDR to the Xbox Series X and S. But nobody has those, so we skip this story. But if you have that, there you go. Those are being rolled out. By the way, Google I.O. was also this week. I know. I forgot all about it too. 
Google I.O. actually did kind of sneak up on me. This is when Google announces all the various this, that's, and the other things that, that, are, that are coming to, to it. But there was no hard drive, hardware announced this year. They did announce a major UI change to the next version of Android. Android, I want to say 13, is going to feature a much more bubbly interface and one that's going to automatically adjust itself based on your wallpaper. So that's interesting. We'll just have to see how how well it goes. There's not a whole lot of details that can really be explained very well since, you know, it's a developer's conference. They're talking about this, that, and the other thing. It is supposed to be faster. They did say that. But by far, the biggest chain, the biggest news to come out of Google I.O. was, in fact, Google and Samsung teaming up in the development of Wear OS. Smartwatches, in general, have been horrendously neglected by literally everyone except Apple. Like, the Apple Watch is pretty okay as a product, but it is way better than what Wear OS is. This is Android's equivalent of the watch. Have you ever seen a Wear OS watch? I'll save you the trouble. No, you haven't. You may think you have, but you haven't. The next best smartwatch out there is the Samsung watch. And even that is an imperfect piece of software. And the only advantage with the Sam with the Samsung watch is that you too can go ahead and have a watch face that is awesome. Like this one from 007 Goldeneye. The Vigi game. That's pretty much like the best benefit out of it. And also it's like... Yeah. The so- but otherwise, like the software is imperfect. It bugs out sometimes. Sometimes it just consumes all the the battery in existence. Chat wants to know, is the screen Sapphire? No, because this is an El Cheapo... Galaxy Watch Sport. And on top of that, Apple Sapphire is terrible because it's so impure. It still scratches at the same, with the same amount of effort and hardness as glass. I'm not even kidding. Jerry Rig Everything actually goes into excruciating detail in testing out Apple Watch Sapphire. And an iPhone Sapphire, for that fact. It is not great. As far as Sapphire goes, it is terrible. But to see Samsung and Google team up to make a new operating system for, for smartwatches, I, for one, am eager to see what they come up with next. What was, what was uh, kind of like a very big really moment was the fact that Google Docs 
will now prompt users if you type in Google Docs to use gender-free language. Look, Google, I appreciate you. I, I know you're trying to be helpful. But I'm getting some serious clippy vibes from this. If I didn't like Clippy tell, telling me how to write a letter, I don't think I'm going to like you telling me telling me to write chairperson instead of chairman. I'm just saying. I'm smart enough to write my own letter. But yeah, it, it's a clear attempt by Google to to pander to that same kind of crowd. And it's just one that the rest of us now have to deal with the obnoxiousness. Cause on paper, this sounds fine. I guarantee you, you actually get in there and have to deal like autocorrect on paper. sounds fine, but I'm willing to bet nowadays you ducking hate autocorrect. You absolutely hate autocorrect. I mean, who loves auto carrot? Someone in chat says you might be, but as someone who has to recently grade 40 plus stu- student pa- stu- students doing eight to 10 page term papers, I can tell you that many, many people cannot type worth worth wor- a bleep. I need all the help they can get. It's a good point. Here's my counter argument, though. Shouldn't then those same students be graded on their own capabilities instead of the capabilities they were given because Google Docs held their hand? Same person says, my favorite misspelling this semester was difficulty. D-I-C-C-I-C-U-L-T-Y. In fairness... The F and C key are, in fact, right next to each other on a standard QWERTY keyboard. I could see how that happens. But at the same time... It is time... To also look look those people square in the eye and say... In the real world... You need to proofread... Your stuff just like you really should in the in my case in fact also proofread your tweet before sending it out mistyped twice that being said twitter give me an undo button where's my undo button 
I can't even pay Twitter for an undo button, for an edit button. It's going to get to the point where those of us who don't want all this autocorrect and all this sort of nonsense, we're going to end up having to type in notepad. We're going to be ending up sending in term papers in freaking system font because that's the only font in, in, oh, we know, isn't Microsoft killing notepad? Let's instead of talk about how Google is trying to keep, is uh, trying to do everything that's power to keep the deep mind AI. And how the DeepMind AI and its team tried to win autonomy and failed to do so. DeepMind, for those who don't know, is an AI engine that uh, beat the world's best human players in games like StarCraft, Go, and Chess. Google actually bought DeepMind. And word has gotten out that the team tried to break free from Google and failed. But you know, this whole story from from the Wall Street Journal raises a whole nother question that I have to ask. Has the Google HQ always had two ro- ro- uh, rotating doors? Or they add that specifically for, for uh, the virus? I'm sorry, but this picture of, of... I don't know where at Google this is from. But they have like two small rotating doors at their campus. I have never seen a place use two small single purpose... Per- single person routine doors they usually just skip to like a big one that's like automated and you just have like two old style rotation doors and that comes off as really bizarre to me someone in chat says they know a few hotels are like that really weird In other news, with no good transition point, China has land on Mars. One week after the whole world wondered where some of their space junk was going to land on the Earth. Excuse me, I need to write a a note here real quick. Dear China, grats, but can you please be a little more responsible with your stuff? Sincerely, all mortal beings. 
I also just realized while doing that little skit, I was holding the phone upside down. So yeah, good job in all, China, but uh, I can't help but point out that you left your junk. I was about to use another word that also starts with S, but then I would have to mark this podcast as explicit, and I don't want to do that today. However, this is not... However, we still have one story that is by far much, much more bizarre. Gentlemen, I bring you... The last burb, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week. DARPA has helped create a sarcasm detector. The sarcasm detector can read statements in text and determine whether this whether it is being used sarcastically or not. Oh, well, good for you! Oh, how amazing! Oh, thank God! Now, the great problem of finding out whether someone is sarcastic or not can finally be solved. Oh, thank you. This was a valuable, valuable use of resources. But you know what I love? You know what I love? And Gadget. The epitome of complete and utter brilliance, that was sarcasm, by the way, has as their subtext line, could this be the end of online trolling as we know it? No. No, it's not. I'm sorry, Engadget, but if you are dumb enough to think that a sarcasm detector is the end of can be the end of online trolling you guys really really need to get a clue as to how trolling is done nowadays on the internet folks that is going to do it for this episode of eagle eyes on tech i thank you so much for listening to this podcast and i do hope that you check out my other works twitch.tv slash eagle falcon and of course our daily podcast daily bird briefing anchor.fm early burb briefing all one word take care and i hope seriously not sarcastically seriously that you have a great day bye-bye question here though and i know i'm not letting this point go i really do want to know 
Who at Engadget was responsible for the subtext line? Could this be the end of online trolling as we know it? I literally, not figuratively, literally cannot understand who the heck thought for an instant that this would be the end of online trolling. First off, if your thought process is with an, with a sarcasm detector, you're going to ban sarcasm on the internet. That is the, that is how World War Three starts, by the way. You try to make an algorithm that tries to ban sarcasm on the internet, that will cause a world war. I guarantee it. Second, the end of online trolling. I seriously doubt the author is responsible for it. Someone in the chat also agrees that 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 with me on that one. But holy cow. The end of online trolling in existence. Do you know how trolling is done nowadays? Trolling nowadays is not done with nuance or subtle sarcasm. Online trolling nowadays is about as blunt as a sledgehammer to the face, but with words. I'm just saying. Someone. So, someone over at Engadget that's, in a, that's most likely in an editor's position. Not the brightest bulb in the box. In fact, the bulb might already be dead on arrival.